Good morning, everybody. Today is the third video on the grace of God, and it will be the final video on this. And so before we open that, or before we start, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for everything you do for us. I pray that you would, again, quiet our hearts, help us to focus on your word, um, and again, particularly your grace. Please help us to better understand your grace and better understand how it applies to our lives and we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us in jesus name amen and so we've talked a lot about the grace of god through the past two videos and this is again the final one and we're going to be talking about different um, aspects of the grace of god and so the first thing we're going to talk about is grace and god's other attributes um, kind of how they go together, right? Um, and this is always a good exercise to do when you're contemplating God. Hopefully that's what you do that from time to time or all the time. And thinking about how God's attributes work together. And so one of the first thing we can point out is God's grace is eternal, right? It has always been and it will always be. He will always be a gracious God. It was and it was planned before it was exercised, right? And we can see this if you turn with me to um, first or Second Timothy one nine. That again is Second Timothy one nine, which says, "Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave Christ Jesus before the ages began," right? So this shouldn't surprise us too much, right? We've talked a lot about the eternality of God throughout the whole series and series, and we started with that, with Pastor Bill talking about that. And if we have an eternal God, right, all of his attributes are always working together perfectly, that it only makes sense that that eternal God would have eternal grace also. So our God is eternal, and so is his grace on our lives. And so that's the first one, right? But we've also talked, I believe, about the sovereignty of God. So the sovereign grace, right? He bestows it on whom he pleases. And we can see this through Exodus thirty-three nineteen, which says this, if I can get to it. Exodus thirty-three nineteen. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I show mercy, right? Pretty powerful words. I will be gracious on whom I will be gracious. And we also talked about this last video, right? God is not required to do anything because of something that we do say or have, right? We cannot earn it in any way. So therefore, even on that basis, we can say, therefore, God will do as he pleases. He's not required to do anything by us. And so, again, that's humbling ourselves and remembering our lowly state before a holy and just God um, to luckily who is gracious to us. And so we can also look at Romans 11, 5, which says, to, uh, So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace, right? So, again, pointing to the fact of God's sovereign grace on our lives. 
But we could also look at things like God is infinite, right? Therefore, he has infinite grace. It is far-reaching. Um, it is beyond comprehension. Um, Titus 2.11, for grace, you, for grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, right? All people. It is um, far-encompassing. It is um, infinite from a human standpoint. There is... Uh, also, when you think about this, there is no distinction at the foot of the cross, right? And this is a very important message for us, particularly today with all the, unra uh, the unrest racially and that kind of thing, right? When it comes to the gospel, there is no distinction, right? We are just all human beings who are in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And so we particularly now it seems more than ever we really need to remember that that the gospel is for all people and so we could actually keep going with this thought we could keep pointing to attributes and talking about the grace of god but actually as an exercise i would like to just encourage you guys to think about all the different attributes we've talked about and how they relate to grace right you have like omnipresence right that God knew all these things about your own personal life. Think about your life. And yet he chose to show you grace, right? That he saw all the things. Then you have the omniscience, right? That he knows all the things in your life. And he chose to show you grace. Or think about the immutability of God. That he always, he is not changing, right? And his grace is immutable in your own life. And they think about those things and contemplate them and so that's my that's what i would encourage you to do um but we're going to continue our study right how to look at grace that's what i want um to discuss now um and so there's two really ways we can look at this and we can see the vastness of god's grace in our own lives that is if you're a believer in jesus christ right and I like what James Harvey said. He says, where sin abounded, says the proclamation from the courtroom of heaven, grace doth much more abound. And so in modern terms, Stephen Lawson says it this way. He says, if you think you have so much sin, know that he has so much more grace. And so those are very powerful words. You have people who interesting enough are in need of a savior and they think well before i do this i need to do these things before i can come to god right but the point is we are all in need of a savior and since we think we have so much more sin just know he has so much more grace it's like the equivalent of someone who needs to go to the gym saying well before i go to the gym i need to work out so that i can look good while i'm at the gym right the point is we go to the gym to get bigger and so with god's grace right we go to god because we are in need of a savior and we can't save ourselves and so and you really can see a very clear example of this in scripture one of the best ones i would say uh, with saul right or paul as an example if you go to acts 9 1 we read about saul uh, but it says but saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the lord went to the high priest right he's breathing his whole body is just breathing threats 
and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He just wanted to see all of them dead with his whole being. And so, and with that, right, God turned him around and he graciously saved him. And you think about the influence that Paul has. I mean, I've been quoting the scripture, which he wrote most of it um, through God or yeah. And so, you know, you think about the impact he had through God's grace. Um, and so he had a lot of sin in his right, life, right? He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples. And yet God had so much more grace. And so grace abounds, right? And so the second way we could look at this is to look and see God's graciousness to man by sending his son and then them sadly rejecting him, right? So the first one is the vastness of God's grace in our lives. So that's the believers, right? But then looking at the unbelievers, God's graciousness to man, and yet they reject him. And so when you think about it, when they reject him, then God must be just to man. He, and must is a bad word, um, when in relation to God because it's making God required to do something and God is not required to do anything outside of himself right and so we must be careful with that particular word but right because he is holy and just God will judge man he will do this and this should not be a surprise to us knowing especially as we've talked about the holiness and justice of God right and so when God graciously sends his son to die for mankind and they reject him, they should not be surprised before a holy God that they must face his justice. And so really those are the two ways that we can look at the grace of God in people's lives because that's either a believer or an unbeliever. And so, and if you're listening to this, I'd encourage you to be particularly thinking about those two things right are you going to receive god's grace or his justice in your life and i would encourage you to believe in his son and accept god's grace that has abounded right and so god's grace through the ages is the next thing that we're going to look at and so this is very important today right because again this points to the fact that um, people will always say, well, like, oh, the God of the Old Testament is a lot different than the God of the New Testament, but we also have the immutability of God, so we need to talk about that. Are, is he different? We have to say no, right? Because God never changes. And so John, uh, John 1, 17. Let's turn and look at that first. John 1, 17, which says this. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? So, but you could walk away with that saying, well, did God not deal with Moses through grace, right? Because it says the law came through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus, right? And so we need to talk about that. But the thing is, God did deal with Moses and others in the Old Testament on the basis of grace. So we really need to turn to these to fully understand it. Exodus 33, 13 is the first one we're going to look at. Exodus 33, 13. 
which says, Now therefore, if you have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people, right? And we talked about in the first video, if you remember that, grace and favor are similar, right? They point to the same thing. So really saying, you know, you can think about that as grace. I have now found favor in your sight. He acknowledged God's grace in his life. Um, and that was the key focus of it, right? But we could also turn to something like um, Genesis 6, 8. Genesis 6, 8, right in the beginning of the Bible, which says this. Um, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Uh, and then you read... Uh, that was verse 6, sorry, but then verse 8 says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, right? And again, that favor and grace are the same concept there. And so, even before Jesus, began, uh, Jesus came down to earth, God was working through grace, right? Um, grace the grace of God has always been, right? Because God is eternal and God is immutable. Therefore, so is his grace. And so we need to look at two truths of the grace of God. And the first one is, no matter when someone was saved, it was through grace. Right? Old or New Testament, it has always been the grace of God. Now, we need to follow up that one with with this right grace always comes through jesus christ but how does that work right well before and let's say in the in the old testament it was people um god dealt with grace looking forward to the messiah to jesus christ and now we get to look back at the cross to jesus christ right but either way we are saved through grace through jesus right grace comes through jesus christ right it's either looking forward or looking back and i think we're at a really uh, um i'll say privileged time where we we have complete evidence that this happened right we have the very word of god telling us that jesus did come down on the earth to die for our sins and we know it to be true therefore we just need to believe in it and so but really again i cannot stress enough grace comes through jesus christ whether you're looking forward or whether you are looking are looking back it is only through the name of jesus so but this kind of leaves us to ask the question again right a lot of questions when did grace come right and I want to turn to A.W. Tozer for this, right? When you're thinking about this grace, right? Because I'm saying it came through Jesus Christ. And so did it come when he was born? Or when exactly was it? When did it come? So A.W. Tozer kind of clarifies this. He says, The grace did not come when Christ was born in manger. It did not come when Christ was baptized or anointed of the Spirit. It did not come when he died on a cross. It did not come when he rose from the dead. It did not come when he went to the Father's right hand. 
grace came from the ancient of beings through Jesus Christ, the eternal son, and was manifested on the cross of Calvary in fiery blood and tears and sweat and death. All right. Very important for us to understand, right? That uh, I like the ending of that. Grace came from the ancient of beings through Jesus Christ, the eternal son, and was manifested on the cross of Calvary in fiery blood and tears and sweat and death. So God has always been gracious, right? But it was manifested through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. Our eternal God, again, had our eternal plan of salvation. And we can see Revelation 13, 8, which says this. Revelation 13, 8. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So, right, grace came through Jesus Christ. It was manifested through Jesus Christ. So, important for us to remember it. Grace, God's grace has always been. He has always been a gracious God and always will be. But grace was released at the cross, right? And let's turn to John fourteen six, which says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that is, no one ever comes to the Father except through me. Very important for us to understand, right? The way, the truth, and the life. And we've talked about that a lot. I, I feel as if, in past videos and throughout this series, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, right? And that's kind of piggybacking what we were just learning. Um, and so we could also turn to Acts 4.12, though, and I want to turn there real quick. Acts 4.12, which says... And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, right? The eternal God is saying that, and so there is no other name, no one else for which um, salvation, right? Jesus is the way. It couldn't be any more clear um, and I think sometimes that gets misconstrued in today's world. So God graciously sent his son to die for us. Ephesians 2 eight also says, For by grace, right, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Right? Again, so grace and salvation go hand in hand, like cause and effect, right? Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. And so, as the final, last little thought here, I'm going to turn to Ephesians again, 2, 5 through 8 this time. Uh, and we're going to read that, right? And so, one of the things I've really liked about the study of grace and actually all of his attributes is once you start to think about the grace of God, you start to see the grace of God, not only in your own life, but through scripture, you just see how many times it points to the grace of God. And now that we have a hopefully better understanding of the grace of God, it makes it very exciting to see it. And you think 
how wonderful our God and how gracious he is to us. But Ephesians 5, uh, 2, 5 through 8 says this, Even when we are dead in our trespasses, made alive to uh, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us uh seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is a gift of God and I'll continue to nine and ten not a result of works, so that no one may boast um, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for his good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? And so you just think about, you read those verses, right? And it's just like, oh, wow, grace, 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 right? It is the grace of God that saves us through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, right? And so I pray that we would really be focusing on the grace of God in our lives. Hopefully, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, who is the way, as we've been talking about and you're thinking about how sinful you were and how gracious God is, that he has so much more grace uh, in your life. Um, but if you are not, right, a believer in Jesus Christ, I pray that you'd be thinking about the grace of God and accepting God's gracious sacrifice for us, right? He sent his son for us, and we can be sa- you could be saved through grace, through Jesus Christ, or by grace, through Jesus Christ. And so, I, uh, I, with that, I'm just going to close in a word of prayer. And Father, we just pray that you would, um, the this series is done, the grace of God, uh, but I pray that we wouldn't be done studying the grace of God, that we would always be contemplating your grace in our lives. Um, and I just pray that not only your, we would be contemplating your graciousness, but all of your attributes and be thinking about how all of your attributes go together perfectly, how your grace is immutable, how it's omniscient, it's powerful. And I just pray that we would always be contemplating that. We'd always be contemplating you, what you have done, what you are doing and will continue to do in this world because we know that you are continually working in this world. And we just thank you and praise you that you are gracious and that you did send your son to die for us on the cross. And that even though we have much sin in our life, that your grace abounds much more. And we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us in Jesus' name.